said it last week, one of my honors is when I get to introduce my, my church to people that have spoken to my life, that have been friends in ministry. And so today we're, we're going to be inviting uh, Pastor Brooks and uh, Tammy McElhaney. They're going to be sharing the, the word to us uh, today. But Annie and I would not be here today if it wasn't for their ministry. That they spoke into us, they gave me a chance when I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm so grateful for their ministry because you guys are a direct recipient of their ministry because of me. So, Pastor Brooks, would you come and share God's word with us today? It is a joy to be with you today. Amen. I hope it's a joy for you. Anyway, hey, we're uh, glad to, to know, in fact, uh, what a privilege. Uh, in fact, uh, for about 12 years, uh, we got to be a part of your pastor's life and pouring into him and seeing what God was doing. It was way back when he was still at college, and I had a need in the children's area. He was already serving in that area, but I'm like, would you step up and kind of take a leadership role? And he did, and then it just kept growing. In fact, I'm a, you stole one of my best staff members. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, it, it's just a joy to see what God is doing and how God moves and how he directs. And so, uh, Pastor Scott and Annie, it's a joy to join you this morning at your church and the church body that God has placed you in leadership of. And it's a joy to be with you. My wife Tammy is with me. We have six kids. I, um, and uh, we're excited about that, that we're kind of moving into that empty nester uh, stage of life. Uh, we pastored at Northville Christian for 16 and a half years, and just in January resigned because we were elected full-time to serve our network, the Michigan Ministry Network, known as the Michigan District, and I served the role of Secretary Treasurer as one of the officers, and it's been a joy as we're learning and stepping into a new area of ministry in our lives. And uh, it's a joy, though, to be with you today because we've been traveling to a lot of different churches, and where we've had seven there, and, and we've had more, but it's, it's that idea that I don't want you to feel alone. God is doing a great work here. And you just need to let God continue to work, not just on the community, on you. Amen? Amen. Uh, something I just want to encourage you with, your pastor's not even gotten these numbers yet, uh, but as the treasurer of our state, I just got them this past week. And just to let you know, your total missions giving, are you ready for this, for 2021, this church gave $142,000 and 105 and 91 cents. Thank the Lord for your giving. So I think you can do the projects that your pastor has put before you. I know you can, and uh, with the Lord's help and with the Lord's purpose, we can accomplish these things. Amen? Amen. Could I take a moment? He thought I might. I told him I wasn't going to do this. Now I'm going to do it. We'll go to the piano. I don't, you want me to use this mic or this one? I'll set this one down. Uh, put, you know, Make it easy. 
want you to lift a song with me before we kind of start. It's a, it's a love song to the Lord, and I, you probably know it. You probably, you probably need the words, but it says, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, and I lift my voice to worship
When I was born, I was born with what was known as Pierre Rodin syndrome. I got one right there. There's that one. The last time I did this when it was over holding a mic, I squeezed it and it went. <laughs> so I learned to it slowly. I was born with this Pierre Rodin syndrome, which you go, what in the world is that? I was born with what was known as cleft palate. I was missing the hard palate of my mouth. I was missing the soft palate. That's where you do what it is. The hard part is right behind your teeth. All of it was gone. And it burned because there was nothing there to keep my tongue from falling back in my throat and fell back in my throat because in the bank. <laughs> They're taking that first breath that I'm trying to take today and keep it in there. But it fell back in my throat and it lodged itself in my throat and therefore I didn't get oxygen that burned me. It brought my dad in. He had been a medic in the uh, Korean War. It brought him in because mom, the delivery was tough and mom was out. And it brought my dad in because they were really concerned I was about to die. He walked in and said, you were just purple. They've got no oxygen in the body. They told my dad and my mom, and my mom has kept a diary, a journal of, of all of her life that she let me read when I was 20 years old. The first eight months of my life in her diary. And uh, she recorded that the doctors came in and said, basically, and this is an old term, and so I don't mean to be offensive in any way, but they just kind of said, he's probably going to be a vegetable. There's just no way he got enough oxygen. And God began to work in my life, though, even up until 12 years old. First communication, no one understood the word I said. Until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That was a life decision. We want to look at some of these things as a God decision, but they're a life decision for you to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? God, how do you want to use me? And I'm glad that I was brought up at a home because early on, even in those early hospital days, they uh, called the church and the church began to pray. Now, we would have loved to see a miracle exactly happen right then and there when I was a baby. But God had a purpose. God had a plan down the road that he wanted to do something as he wanted to work, as he saw it. In that moment, they didn't know what to do as a baby, so they ended up eventually sewing my tongue to the bottom part of or the inside of my bottom lip. After eight months, it grew to my lip, so they ended up having to just cut my tongue. I only went out two-thirds of my tongue. I can't stick my tongue out of my mouth, so I never had that problem that mama had to deal with. <laughs> But that created a speech impediment. It created a problem. But I remember my dad keep encouraging me, son, you can be whatever God wants you to be. You just surrender to him. My dad's in heaven today. I don't get that same encouragement I do from mom, but you know what? I want you to begin to listen to your spiritual fathers, your spiritual leaders. They're speaking into your life like you're a pastor. Because he's wanting to lead you on a life decisional path that will get you to heaven and your friends 
and your coworkers, and your community, and your county, and our state. That's why God has placed you to be here, because you are the church. Amen? This morning, let me start with a question. The question is, many times it says, what does God want me to do? Anybody ever ask that question? Honestly? Yep, we probably all have. God, what do you want me to do? Maybe the question is your mind is this, what is God's will for my life? You know, have you ever thought of it that way? Here's an important thought you need to understand. The decisions that we make today determines the stories that we tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we will tell tomorrow. And church, that is so important because our decisions master our future. In fact, today, you are a result of the decisions that you made in the past. Now, some of you are saved today by the marvelous grace of God because you made the greatest decision, life decision, that you could ever make. You invited Jesus to be Lord of your life. I may have done that. Amen? Across this building. And that decision has made it a direct impact upon who you are today. But how many know that God is still working in and through all of our lives? Amen. Amen. He's, he's still working on me. How many remember that little kid song? If you don't, don't go burn it. Because he's still making me to what he wants me to be. In reality, I do not mean to be rude in this statement, but most people are not great decision makers. As I mentioned earlier, Tammy and I have six kids. And I know many times we have a lot of decisions to make with them, but when it came to making a decision about what restaurant we're going to eat at, that was a challenge. Multiple people, different taste buds, different age groups to satisfy. And, and sometimes it made it difficult to make that decision because it would not satisfy everybody. Now, I'm glad that none of those food decisions that we made in those days had a great impact upon my life. Nevertheless, it was a decision that had to be made. There was other decisions that I've made, and I'm pretty sure many of us have made, where we probably said something like this. I wish I could go back and do that over again. How many have ever felt that way? Amen. If you've never said, if you haven't ever said that statement, and I think we've all said that, I'm short of the glory of God. Maybe though it was a thing like a big purchase you made that you said, boy, I wish I would have made that. Maybe it was a job change, a career move. Maybe it was a decision in high school or college that you made. Some of you right now are in decision mode. In fact, you're going to live in decision mode for the rest of your life. Maybe today you're a high school senior. Is anybody in high school here this morning? I'm just glancing around. Maybe you have high school seniors who are trying to make the decision where do I go? What college? Do I just go to work? What do I do? Maybe you're in the room and you're dating somebody. And it might be going pretty good, but you're thinking, I've come across a few things I'm really not sure about. The question kind of so should I stick with them or they will change? Really, should I wait for somebody else? Maybe it's a question about a job. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a house or a new school district. There's a lot of decisions we make every day. You go to the shop, ladies, and when you get to the shelves, 
not only are you having to decide if you want green beans or peas, but now you've got to decide if it's Del Monte or something else. Decisions, decisions. And now I'm all stressed out about all those decisions. Any of you? But we need to make good life decisions. Amen? So today I want to build a foundation upon which we could make good decisions. And the question that will lay the foundation for us is this. Ready? What does God care about? Everybody say that with me. What does God Say it again. What does God about? Now when I go back to the very first question that I asked this morning, what does God want me to do? We can get so concerned about the do, you know, what does God want me to do, that we miss what is most important about our life decisions. And it's this statement here. God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. When it comes to the will of God, you have to first understand God cares more about who you are than the things you're doing in this life. God cares about the who before the do. 1 Thessalonians 4 3, Paul writes these words God's will is for you. This is exciting. I thought you wanted to know God's will. God's will for, is for you to be, everybody say that next word with me. Holy. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. God's will is for us to be holy. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we walk through other scriptures, as we walk through this thought, I pray that you, through the Holy Spirit, will have the opportunity to speak deep into our lives. Because God, our life decision has to be about what you care about. And we give you thanks because I know that you want to speak to us. We make ourselves obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I went to the keyboard for a moment, we're just singing, I love you, Lord, and I exalt you. Those are life decisions. Are you going to love him tomorrow, even though you might know God what you're doing? But I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Are you going to exalt him, even when the tough times come? What are going to be your life decisions? Now, in the scripture I read, God's will for you he didn't say this. God's will for you is to be an accountant. We didn't hear that, did we? God's will is for you to be a missionary. We didn't even hear that. What it says is God's will is for you to be what? Everybody say it again. Will be holy. Church, God's will for you is to be holy. In fact, the Greek word here, translated here, means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to have a clean heart. A clean life that is separate from this world. Church, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're not supposed to look like this world. You're not to be driven by the values of this world. As a believer, you are to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Amen? And so we've got to move from this believer to disciple, and from disciple to servant leader, and from servant leader to ultimately a reproducer of believers. 
There is a walk in your life, in your life decisions. You go, well, I, I just want to be a believer. God wants you to be a believer, but God also wants you to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. And as a follower, you will serve. And when you begin to serve, you will begin to reproduce. God does this through the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And that work is an ongoing work. In fact, we will never fully arrive. We are to be moving, though, in a direction toward Jesus to become more like him. And when you look at what Jesus taught and what Jesus said, he was more interested in who he wants you to be than what he wanted you to do. In fact, Jesus wasn't concerned about the careers of those he chose to follow him. You ever thought about that? Think about it. He chose a fisherman. That's what I want everybody to be. No. He chose a tax collector. He chose a zealot. Listen, Jesus wasn't concerned with what they did. He was concerned about who these men would become. In Jesus' teachings, he talks about character and how we're supposed to live. So a better question for today might be this. Who does God want me to become? Who does God want me to become? And that is where you and I have to start before making life decisions. Because I want every decision I make to be a divine decision. And you'll start there with the truth of who you are becoming that will eventually lead you to do the right thing. Because who are you becoming and who God wants you to be will help you do what he's called you to do. So let me ask this. Is it God's will that I'm a pastor? Some think yes. Others are still contemplating that thought. But I want you to know my call as a pastor is secondary to who he wants me to be. Because first, God wants me to be holy. His primary will is more about my character than it is about my call. A pastor is what I do, but it's not who I am. I could be a pastor and actually be out of God's will. If my heart is not right and my character is flawed, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That I'm really just playing a role. And it's all because who I am matters more to God than what I do. God would rather me do anything with a pure heart before him than to do something that appears spiritual and then live with unconfessed sin in my life. God is more concerned with who I am than where I am what I'm doing. So how does this apply to you? Well, ask some questions. Questions come up like, should I date this person or not? I would tell you it doesn't matter who you date, just date a person with integrity. Date a person who is serving Jesus. Date a person who is holy. And then you be a person of integrity and holiness in that relationship with whoever you date. Because it's about who you are. Well, should I move away or should I stay where I am? It doesn't matter where you are. You're to be a faithful follower of Jesus wherever you are. And listen to me. If, you're, if, if a person or a place pulls you away from God, then that is not God's will for your life. Church, if you're going to be concerned about anything, be concerned about who you are before God. 
And before you make life decisions about the future, think about who you are in the present. And instead of asking God, what do you want me to do? Ask him, who do you want me to tell? Who do you want me to tell? In all of our life decisions, we have to start with conforming to the image of the Son of God. You can allow us a high, lofty thought. Yes, it is. But that's what God has called you to. 1 John 2, 6 says, those who say they live in God. Anybody here say you live in God? Or have you already read the second half? <laughs> See, we all want to say, oh, I live in God, should live their lives as Jesus did. That's scripture. You're going, how about, what am I supposed to be doing? It's about who you're doing. Galatians 2.20, Paul declares, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. He says, let them be a living and what? Holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. That is the truly the way to worship him. And he goes on, don't copy, here's that separation part, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Church, we have to start with who are we becoming? The first life decision has to be we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what I'm looking for. Clearly, it is God's will is who that we're to do. A second statement I want to look at with you this morning is this. God's will is why before the what. In life decisions, we need to know the why am I doing this. Church, you have to recognize motives really matter to God, to his heart. Proverbs 16.2 reminds us, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Sometimes our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. In other words, we have this, believe it or not, we have this unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves. Jeremiah 17. God says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? You may think, wow, what I'm doing is right, but the Lord is the only one who really can judge your motives. And that's because God, it matters to God about your motives. And so we need to pray probably like this more often from Scripture, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God. Remember this passage. Search me, O God, and know my what? Heart. My heart. And then do what? See, we just heart, we don't like. I just want God to have the right heart. But then when the testing comes to find out if the heart is right, if the who is who it's supposed to be, and the why is supposed to be there. 
to test them and know my anxious thoughts. And then do what? Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Why? Because that was my life decision. Is to have everlasting life. A concern of mine would be this. Just how often are our motives not where God wants them to be? How often? I remember when a time or a time that God helped me really see my motives. I do like helping, I do like serving. But one particular time there was actually I'll tell you the story is that I was following somebody and, and uh, not really following her, I was just behind her. And uh, a lady dropped something on the ground. And I quickly went to pick it up to help her. And when I, I handed it to the person, they're like, thank you. And then God caught me right there and said, what was your motive? And my motive was to get a pat on the back. My motive was to be noticed for serving. My notice... My, my motive was to be honored because I've done something nice. And God said, that was the wrong motive. Why are we doing things? You thought, well, it was a good thing to do. It was the right thing to do. I'm not saying it wasn't. But God had a moment to check my motives. And from that point forward, I said, God, whatever I do, I will do it as I see the need Lord, help my motive to be, I'm doing it to serve you. That's why we got to be open to God and say, God, check me out, test me. See if my motives of my heart. And then we need to ask God, so why am I doing the things I do? Why am I buying a car? Why am I changing jobs? Why do I watch the stuff I watch on TV? Why am I posting stuff on Facebook? Why? Why are you living and doing the things you do? Why? And I think we need to say, Lord, help me see the motive of God. Listen how Paul teaches it to the church in Colossae. Colossians 3.17. He says, and whatever you do or say. How many of these scriptures are real familiar to you? problem is we blow mind them. We do not really begin to apply them. And so I'm asking this Lord to slow up, slow our scriptures down a little bit so you can take time to really go, what does that say? It says that whatever you do, anybody going to do something today? You're already doing something if you didn't know it. You're going to do something after this. And then you're going to probably do something else. But whatever you do, or say, anybody said anything today? Anybody will say, you're going to probably blame it. No, they're not. They're not, they're not, they're not say anything else today. <laughs> whatever you do or say, everybody read that part with me. And whatever you do, I'll say it again. And whatever you do, that's the action, the activity of your life. Paul says, do what? Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
Everybody read that whole scripture. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whether you're a janitor or a CEO, maybe you run your own company, whether you're a student or a teacher, whatever you do, in word or deed or in vocal, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've got to understand why we do what we do. So we can know that we're representing Jesus in everything we do. That's why I live. Wherever you are, serve Christ there. Wherever you live, serve him there. Just be faithful in the small things. Somebody says, well, one day I'm going to be a missionary overseas. Well, start being a missionary in your workplace. Start being a missionary in your community. Be faithful where you are. There's hundreds of decisions that we are making every day. And if you see somebody who's faithfully making a difference for God, could I tell you, it started with countless decisions of first to die himself and die himself day after day because of what God is doing through them. It was because it was the who before the do and the why before the what. Church, we've got to get our priorities right before God. And then he'll lead us step by step. So you go, what am I supposed to be doing? He'll give you the what. You will do the do. That is come to who and know the why. God is calling us. And his will for us starts with that who and, and the why before anything else. Think about Jesus. Church, we, really, we say this, but I, I, I want you to begin to practice. Think about Jesus in your life. Think about what Jesus endured, by the way. The people he came to love, many of them ended up hating him and killing him. How do you think he endured that? Why did he call for the, the, the heavens and the angels to come to rescue him? Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. And Jesus knew why he came. Who he was? He was the son of God. He left his glory, came to earth, gave it all up, became human. And became obedient to death on the cross. That's who he was, but he is still the Son of God. Why did he come? He said, Not to be served, but I came to serve. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew who he was. You see, God's will for you is more of a someone than a something. Some people say, well, I want to call it. Well, your calling is to be holy. That's your calling. And, and oh, by the way, if you want a real calling, let me give you a couple. Love is your calling. Love is your calling. The Bible says we are to love one another. If you're going to be the church that he created, this church loves each other. 
Another call, you want another one? How about serve as your call? We're all called to serve one another. In fact, the greatest is to serve them all. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, it is not about a career. It's all about people. Love God, love people. Jesus summed that whole law up into those two statements. So can I tell you, we don't have to worry about the future. Because Jesus will take us step by step through our life decisions if we let him help us. So don't get discouraged. Don't get frustrated about what the future holds. You begin developing who you are and why you're doing the things you're doing. Just be faithful. Follow the Lord so you can be who He wants you to be. First of all, can I say be holy? Be holy. Life decisions, in fact, the first and the most important life decision is your eternal life decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus, and I've looked at this room, I, I don't know where your life stands. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you really become the who or if you're just playing the spiritual role. But could I tell you, your life decision, your eternal life decision is the most important point of your life. You need to know where your eternity ends up. You need to know that that life decision changes everything moving forward. Because it begins to change. The Holy Spirit begins to work his character into your life. I didn't know what anger was. I was a pretty easygoing kid growing up, even when we got married, and then I had a kid and found out what anger was. <laughs> I wonder where did that come from? The Holy Spirit said, I just wanted to point that out in your life. So we can work on it. I thought I was a good communicator when I got married. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, I think we can work on that. Church is just the who we are. And I think we just need to let God continue to work on the character of our lives. And when he points it out, it isn't to defeat you. It is to grow you. Because he wants you to be a representative is a call. But it's about who you are. And then the why. Check the motives. God, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are you going to choose the restaurant you're going to go to maybe after me? Why are you going to choose what you're even going to eat? Have you asked God about it? Did you ask God, God what restaurant should I go to? Because I want to be a representative there. So is there a particular place you need me to represent you? It's changing the way we think because we begin to ask the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? So let the Holy Spirit call for Jesus. So could I challenge you to examine your life and let the Holy Spirit examine your life? Become who God wants you to be. None of us have arrived. None of us ever will fully arrive. But we can keep growing. So let me just pray for you today.
And I would just ask, as those online were listening in this room, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can do so right now and settle the issue. He died for your sin. He died for your life. He took this little boy from Mississippi who grew up with all kinds of struggles. He said, I want to use his life. And I never knew I would be able to say Claire Shores this day, but he wanted to work on my life so I could share with your life his work. He changed my speech so I could do that. So I could be the who before the do. And God had to work on that. And he put it in you. Heavenly Father, there's anyone in this room right now who needs to accept you as Savior. I pray right now in the, in the depth of their heart that they will say, Lord, I know I need you. God, I believe in you and I accept you as my Savior. Forgive me and let me become who you want me to be so that I can represent you well. Teach me. Show me my motive. Save me. Redeem my life for your will. Make me holy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Scott. Church that loves you so much. 
Lord, I pray that we can be a holy church, we can be a church that leads people to you. And whether it's happening here in our city or in Southern Asia where they're putting up a home to be able to take care of children, to prevent them from going into human trafficking, to, to rescue them if they have been, or if it's here as we minister to the people of our community. Lord, I thank you for a church that gives, a church that understands your heart is to go out and to win all people, to make disciples. Let it not just be something we do by giving, but let it be something that we do by action as you call us, that we will listen to your voice and we will do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' incredible name, amen. Have a blessed week. Make sure you read Daniel chapter 1 for next week, and I'll see you next week.